Welcome to Mind Love, episode 245. Today's episode is all about how to filter your thoughts to extract strength from struggle. When I don't include myself in my reasons for something not happening correctly, then that's the primary indicator that I'm likely, I'm going toward making an excuse. Now, if it was totally out of my hands, okay, so be it. But I dare say the majority of situations I've been a part of, I've been a part of the problem. Not to say that I've caused it, but I may have been a part of some factor of influence to where I could have tweaked it or changed it. And I just, I didn't for whatever reason. So that's what I I love to do is say, okay, this is what happened this time. I'm gonna learn from it so it doesn't happen next time. Learning why we operate the way we do. That curiosity has led me to just being able to overcome different things because I question it. I question it from a side of really trying to learn from what I'm going through. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. If this is your first time giving your mind a little love, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Mind love is a habit, and the more you give your mind that love and intention, the better you'll feel about yourself and your life. Plus, it's really a win-win because more subscribers means Mind Love attracts even more amazing guests to bring you their wisdom. So don't forget to subscribe. If you've been proactive about working on yourself for a while, you can probably look back at some of the hard situations in your life and see how they served you. Maybe you learned a lesson or healed a wound. Maybe it guided you towards something or even someone new. Maybe it's the thing that got you to work on yourself in the first place. The harder part is actually being able to extract these lessons or even just the strength of surviving sooner rather than later. My first big hardship happened as a teenager when I was raped. And it took me a good 10 years to gain the strength I needed to survive that. We tend to think that strength comes naturally from hardship, but that's not always the case. It wasn't for me, at least. Without the proper direction, I took all sorts of lessons from that experience. But looking back, they were all the wrong lessons. I learned that I didn't always have a choice. I learned I wasn't worthy of real love. I learned that if I always said yes, I couldn't be taken advantage of. I learned how to bury my trauma. I learned how to stop feeling. And eventually, I had to unlearn all of those things, which took a lot more effort and intention than learning them. Not everyone becomes stronger after struggle. Yeah, for some people, the struggle shows them what they're capable of, and it completely reroutes their life for the better. But for others, it shows them what they can't control, and it completely reroutes their life for the worse. So what's the difference? Viktor Frankl wrote one of my all-time favorite books, Man's Search for Meaning, and he set out to understand that same question. What he found was that it all comes back to the meaning you find in a situation. And what I've learned in my life is that I choose the meaning. And I can choose the meaning to be in alignment with what I want for myself and my life. And without that intention and that choice, the meaning I'll likely find is based on what's important to society or what my insecurities are screaming or whatever mood I happen to be in. 
Now I choose based on the mood that I want to be in. The problem is, usually when I'm dealing with something really difficult, that moment where the meaning instills, I'm already in a pretty big mood and it's rarely the one that I want to be in. So how do we get there faster? How do we zoom out just enough to choose what's in our highest good rather than what our human attaches to? That's what we're talking about today. Our guest is Joel Green. He's CEO of Pro Level Training and a former professional basketball player. After retiring from basketball, he founded his company, which has become a seven-figure company. He's also a renowned speaker and the national director for Nike Sports Camps. And he was the face of Cheez-It Crackers Celebrity Crunch Classic Campaign, just showing his face on millions of boxes. (laughs) So three key things we will learn are how to make your environment a product of you instead of becoming a product of your environment, how to train yourself to make adjustments instead of excuses, and a daily habit to filter your thoughts during hardship. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. And now let's welcome Joel Green to the show. Thanks, Melissa. Thanks for having me on. So what inspired your life's mission about extracting strength from struggle? Great question. Well, I mean, what inspired it was, was my struggle. Uh, simply put, my emotions, you know, what I was going through and just questioning life from a personal point of view and just really trying to seek clarity on various things that I was going through, things that I went through in the past. I, I'm big on even looking backward, but only to learn from, you know, things I've gone through so that I don't repeat, you know, different situations that weren't ideal. So. You know, just questioning so much about life, uh, trying to improve upon myself at the same time as a father and, you know, as just as a man and, you know, a professional. I was just very curious about how I can become my best self. And by way of doing that, I began just coming up with different methods and uh, different ways of extraction. And by way of all these questions and this curiosity, I came up with a method for myself called filtering. And it just began to help me break down life so that life wouldn't be as overwhelming as it once was. And it just became very manageable. And I felt like I can do 20 things at once, to be honest with you. When I first read about your filtering technique, that immediately I was like, this is something that I'm probably going to use for the rest of my life. (laughs) And so explain to us what it is and how you use it. Again, even as I mentioned, as far as an extraction process, it's literally a way to lean into your issues. Let's say, you know, we, it's, it's for good and for bad circumstances, but let's discuss the bad because that's, that tends to be the focal point of most as far as where they need help the most. Isn't that, 
if you're winning, you don't really seek a whole lot of help. But if you're going through anything, it's a lot of times we like to sweep those things under the rug or we like to hide from them or hide those things from our ourselves, which just sounds crazy. But we try to ignore them, brush them off. But filtering is a way of facing what you're going through, really leaning into it and breaking those things down, questioning what you're going through, but without emotion, you know, without saying, why am I going through this? Why am I going through this? You know, there's a difference there because if you're going with emotions in the forefront, you know, that's, it's, you just clouded the situation right there. It's going to be hard to see through that emotional state that you're in. So I really lean into everything with the best attitude I possibly can carry at that moment. While I'm still in the moment, I really just say, okay, what can I get from this? What can I gain? Why did this situation come? And what, what is, what's the purpose of it? As opposed to me just being upset that it came. No, I'm going to get something from this. I have to go through it. I'm going through it. I might as well get the best out of the situation and learn why it came. And also just, if it's something that I don't want to be around, I might as well resolve it so it doesn't revolve and come back around soon. I spent a good decade numbing those moments <laughs> just in whatever way, you know, like it, even if it was just being around people or distracting myself or scrolling on my phone or, or whatever. And it is a really transformative lesson to find the courage within yourself to actually sit through it and and be curious. And, and that's really what I see with filtering, whereas you're like, why am I going through this? You right. automatically have resistance towards that. And and you're not really asking that. You're not, it's more like, right, right. ah, how could this happen to me? It shouldn't be happening to me is really right. what you're saying versus like, okay, well, like what, what's in this for me? And mm. to be fair, a lot of times I don't see fully what's in it for me until a while down the road <laughs> when uh, it comes right. full circle. Mm. But even just that willingness to have a softer energy and ask the question. Yes, I might not see the full picture, but it at the very least can shift my perspective a little bit to so that I handle it <laughs> a little bit differently. And that's what it's all about is literally a shift in your perspective. It's the thing that troubles most people is being able to stop themselves in the moment while they're in that moment. That's the thing. That's, the, that's one thing that I, I literally practice for myself. When I'm going through something, I have the protocols in place for myself. When I'm going through it, hey, Joe, relax. Chill out for a moment while I'm in it. That way I don't have to wait on hindsight. As you just mentioned, till after the fact. I want to, I'd rather begin to build foresight for forthcoming circumstances as opposed to always waiting on hindsight to give me all the answers. I, I can have 2020 vision now as opposed to hindsight revealing 2020, being 2020. So it's, it's just about being in the, like fully being aware while you're in the moment. And that awareness will help you to stop yourself as opposed to going along with the issues and going along with the problems and becoming a, a part of the problem. So filtering is just, it just really helps break everything down so that it's more feasible to handle. Again, just realizing that you don't have to be Wonder Woman or Superman and handle everything all at, all at once. You can literally say, okay, let me filter this. Let me break this down into particles if need be so that I can handle just this portion of it. And that's all you need to handle today. And I'm so comfortable now handling my situations and portions, and I'm fine with that. I'm fulfilled by that. And I take on the next portion at another moment. I think that's such a key to it because in those emotional moments, we're like, ah, oh, this is happening. And our mind spirals to like how this is going to ruin our whole life. <laughs> right, right, right. How this is going right. to lead to us being homeless and dying. Right. And, right. and And so we 
expect to like solve that right now and, and think that's what's going to make us feel better. But right. what you're saying is if you can just break it down and say like, hey, all that is not my concern at this moment. It's just how to get to this next step. And if you can actually train yourself to be okay, that like that is the fulfillment, then I think that's that's when we'll relieve ourselves of so much stress. But so often people are like, but this is just the way I am. This is just who I am. I'm just overly emotional. I just, I've always been quick to anger. What do you say to people with that belief? My thing is this, we're still here, right? You know, thankfully, thank God we're still here. Life is cyclic. You know, we, we go through, I dare say, the same situations over and over and over again, but with a different, a different face on it. You know, we go through the same situations in our, in our business or, you know, as professionals that we've gone through at home in relationships. It just has a different face. It's maybe a boss as opposed to a spouse, you know, but it's the same principles behind what we go through. Whether you are just that way or not, you have to realize that, you know, I forget the quote, but when they talk about insanity, doing the same thing over and over, something like that. And expecting different results. (laughs) Right. And it's like, we're being insane half the time, according to that definition. Because we keep going about things the same way. I know that this may be who you are, but you're not a fan of who you are because you're, you're upset about your your results, your reactions half the time. And for people that are just that way, you know, I would call them insane to their face. You know, it's like, look, you have to change something about because you're not happy with the way you are. So you have to try to seek some sort of adjustment, some sort of change to say, you know what, I'm going to handle the next thing a different way and see how it works out. Yeah, I think that's been one of the most courageous things that somebody can can be able to do is is be honest with themselves and say what what I'm doing isn't working. <laughs> you know, it clearly isn't working and maybe this same situation keeps presenting itself over and over again through different people and different circumstances because this is the lesson that I'm here to learn. So if I can just right, like yeah. let go of my ego and try something new, And I also think that people don't realize how much of the identity that they've attached themselves to are just neurological triggers firing one to the next. And so, yeah, you're triggered by this and yeah, you're easily angered and yeah, you always end up yelling because you've never disrupted your patterns. And it's not super easy the first time and it's not super easy to do a habit change but it's simple. It just takes a lot of repetition and the willingness to show up for it. I dare say it's necessary. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says. (laughs) And it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small. And when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? 
It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash mindlove today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash mindlove. I dare say it's necessary. Again, you, you, people stress themselves from an early grave, and it's unfortunate. And they know, but they don't know. You know, it's like they're they're aware of it when it's happening, but they aren't aware enough to where it causes a change. You know, it hasn't affected them enough. And usually when it has affected them enough, usually it already brought about some type of anxiety or some type of depression or some type of illness or ailment. It's like, man, you could have adjusted that years ago. You should have been a little bit more aware years ago to where you saw this wasn't working out, that same reaction that you had 83 times. You could have made some type of adjustment. You could have sought some type of advice or, you know, treatment or what have you, but, you know, applied or employed some sort of method. And and that's for me. That's why I began speaking it from the stage. I saw it work for me. I was going through a lot. You know, I was just going through a, a through divorce at the time and separation, all these different things is really questioning life and questioning myself as, as a spouse, as a father and all these things. And knowing that I'm the hardest working person I know. I mean, I work so hard at just being an upstanding person and, and being a professional and just pleasing other people and all these things. I'm like, how can I improve, number one, so that I'm just pleased with myself? That, that just where I had to get to. How can I be pleased with myself? How can I secure my insecurities? How can I be comfortable with my insecurities? How can I be okay being imperfect? And that was the thing that I, that really got me to, to practice this method was being okay being imperfect because we're all imperfect and I don't want to be perfect because then there's no growth from there. And, I, and I'm such an advocate of growth. So the moment I started being okay and with being imperfect, it was the game changer for my entire life. I, I was like, wow, okay, this is all I needed. I'm so imperfect. I'm cool with it. I'm fine with it. And for those that can't accept it, Sucks for them. You know, uh, this is really how I began to treat everyone in my entire circle. I said, look, I'm not perfect. And it felt amazing to just accept that about myself. Because if you really think about it, there's absolutely no way to meet perfection anyways, because it's subjective. We all have this different idea of what perfection even is. And when we meet those people that are really close to perfect, they're so boring. Like, <laughs> unpredictable. It's just, you know, yeah. it's, it's right. No, no adventure about them whatsoever. And it's like, okay, you're playing it safe. You're playing, you know, life safe. It's not an enjoyable time. Yeah. And it's like this, this cookie cutter mold that we've decided like is probably the easiest, most beautiful way to be or something like that. Oh, right. But then people actually achieve it. And it's like, oh, oh yeah, that's just mundane. <laughs> like, right, right. Do exactly. I even want that anymore? Not at all. And one of the things that you talk about though, and that is really what filtering is, is that difference between whether somebody can persevere or pander to discomfort. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? I mean, this is really about... Again, I, I, I didn't tell people to embrace the fatigue, embrace the fatigue of life. When I'm talking to athletes, embrace the fatigue of sport. You know, it's just really about, again, leaning in to what you're going through as opposed to shying away from it. You know, so many people don't realize what's on the other side of what they're going through. It's a daring feat. I get it. It's a daring thing to go toward the problem. I understand. You know, it's like going toward the front lines of a battle or, you know, going toward the fight. But that's the only way to win the fight. 
I've never seen anybody win a, a fight by running. You know, life brings about so many bouts, so many different types of fights. And it can be personal, it can be relational with other people, professional, whatever the case is. But we have to go toward them in some facet to, to understand them, to have empathy toward them, to really say, okay, how can I, you know, alleviate this problem? Or how can I, if you don't want to fight, how can I get around this fight? It's not about always running in the opposite direction or sweeping it under the rug because you're going to soon trip over that rug that you swept everything under for years. <laughs> and so it, that's really what filtering is. And, and I mean it too, in, in a nutshell, it's just, it's a breakdown of going toward what you're going through and saying, you know what, here's what I'm going through. How can I extract exactly what's needed from this situation to overcome this situation? You actually use what you're going through against itself. And it because I tell people all the time, I tell myself this, almost everything we go through has the solution within it. Every problem, rather, has the solution within the problem. It all They all have seeds. But I tell people all the time, seeds, they, don't, they aren't hardly ever on the surface. They're buried beneath. You got to dig down, find those seeds, and then cultivate those seeds once you find them. You got to water those seeds. You got to spend time with those seeds and figure those things out. And as you cultivate them, you you realize, wow, okay, number one, this issue wasn't as bad as I blew it up to be initially. But so many times when we take a step back or we run away, we're amplifying the situation. When we get closer to it, we gain understanding, we minimize the problem of the situation. And that's what I begin to enjoy doing because I, you know, I've been guilty of running away from different things, trying to ignore them, hoping that they just go away by osmosis. And then they just, they don't. They, in some form, just get larger. And I get anxiety over the fact that I didn't face it. And I, I'm just not a fan of doing that. So I just, I tell myself, just go toward it, face it, filter it, break it down so that you can handle it and not be overwhelmed by it and extract what you need from it and actually use that thing to propel you forward even more. Yeah, I've found so much healing in, in actually just being willing to sit with my emotions, which it sounds so simple, but I think we're changing as a society a lot. We don't have the same kind of cliche statements as before, but when I was growing up, it, it really seemed that strength was figuring out how to just be stoic through it all. Great. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. And I remember when my dad died, I had a really hard time with it. And mm-hmm. yes, I fell into a dark spiral. And yes, I was, I let myself go pretty deep. I was binge drinking, doing all the things that a college student would do if (laughs) dad died, I I think. And, and so for some of the people around me, my mom, especially, it was just like, there's a time that you need to get over it. And I can imagine how frustrated she was, you know, like, I don't know how hard it would be to see my child spiraling like that. But at the same time, I feel like everyone expecting me to get over it made me sink into it even further. Like, no, I'll show you how much this hurts since clearly you can't see it. And so one of the things that I think happens for me is when I sit in it without expectation, I think is the biggest part for me because it's so easy to be like, well, I'm going to sit in it and now I'm going to heal faster and everything's going to be fine. But instead be like, oh my God, this hurts so deeply now that I'm like sitting with it and I'm okay with just like, bawling my eyes out or whatever it is. But then after that, it's like, I'll have an inspiration or I'll have something. It might be super direct. It might not be very direct, but something will happen. And so just like, instead of expecting, just allowing it is, is a big thing because then I'm not sort of steering my will towards whatever I think should happen. And instead it's like, oh, this is the lesson that was meant for me. Right. I mean, number one, I'm sorry to hear hear that. That's, That's a tough situation. 
you know, I, I can relate to that mildly with my, my brother passing when I was in high school. I was 17 years old. And for me, you know, as a basketball player, I didn't know that that would be a motivating factor for me. Um, it wasn't initially. I sunk. I was in a sunken place. I shut down for a couple of weeks. I didn't want to talk to anybody at all. I laid down. I took naps. I took sleeps. I didn't even take naps. I just <laughs> I went to sleep for hours. I just didn't want to deal with life. And, you know, so I, I can understand just really sinking down. It wasn't until I was told I, I have to get back up. I'm actually still here. And once I was told that, I had to begin saying, you know what, I'm going to do things for my brother. And I found motivating factors in it. Not realizing, but even at the, at the time, I was filtering different things and saying, you know what, how can I use this situation to, to get a scholarship to, to college as I promised my brother I would when he was alive. And I told him that I would, I would do these things. I told him I would have better grades and they weren't the greatest at the time. You know, what can I do to make sure when he's looking down on me that I'm, I'm staying true to these promises I'm making to him? And I used his passing as motivation for me. It added fuel to my fire. I literally would think on it to make me angry. It sounds crazy. I would think on it to make me angry on the court because when I was angry and I was more aggressive. When I was more aggressive, I was more successful. And I just leaned into that anger and I applied it on the court. I didn't take it out on anyone else off the court, which was great. You know, I just applied it in the proper areas and just began to just filter those moments and say, okay, how can I use, how can I extract something good from death? That's a hard thing to do. You know what I mean? Somebody that you love, somebody within the house is, how can I dare take something good from this? But it's even, it's even, it's possible even there, you know? And that's, that's the thing that I discovered to where it's like, man, even amidst death, it's possible to be motivated by it. It's possible to, to use it as a driving force. It's possible to have that better you. You know, it's not that you desire to have that happen or desire to have that motivating factor, but even that can help. And I figured for myself, I'm going through it. I might as well get something from it. And I would rather not be on the negative side. So I began using that and I got multiple scholarship offers to college by the end of the school year. For the first time in my life, I made the honor roll. I never made it in 12 years of schooling until that year. You know, three months after he, my brother passed away, I told myself, I'm going to buckle down. I'm going to double down. And I did everything I, I possibly could. And I saw live at that moment, man, that I can get fuel from anything, that I can be a champ regardless of even death, you know, that may surround me. And it, that taught me something during that time. That's so powerful. A couple of different things that I heard in there. One of them, it sounds like with your emotions, you're able to actually ask, like, where is this emotion mo most productive? Like, I love how you actually take that anger and you're like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have anger with this sometimes. Let me right. use it where it's going to fuel me rather than just like sitting in it and making it make myself feel like shit. <laughs> right, seriously, seriously. I mean, that's 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 where I was for a couple of weeks. You're, you know what I mean? So it was like, I, I got to use this. I'm mad right now. Again, you can understand. You, you're mad at the world. You're mad at so much. Just like, man, and... I had, you know, I, I, I would be playing the sport anyway. I'm like, I got to take this anger and put it out somewhere. And it was the applied anger, you know, uh, it was just in the right direction. So, and it was intentional. It was intentional. You know, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't lashing out. And I had my people, my dad said, use it on the court. Use it on the court. You know, my uncle, use it on the court. My brother, my other brother, use it. So I'm like, okay, let's do this. And I couldn't wait to hit the court again after a couple of weeks and, I just turned into a whole other animal. It's interesting because so many people take 
a lot longer after a struggle to come around to that, the wisdom of it. And like for me, I spiraled for years and years before I was like, okay, something I'm doing is not working. Like the pain of where I am is greater than the fear of change. So I'm going to do something different. And that's when I started reading a ton of books and applying things to my life. And from there, it was really sort of skyrocketing in another direction. I mean, of course, as with everything, there's ebbs and flows and there's dips and it's like, oh my God, I thought I was beyond this. And it's like, oh no, this is just part of life. It's part of the process. Now I just have more tools to deal with it. But for a 17 year old, where do you think you got those seeds planted for the tools that you were able to apply so quickly? My family, my uh, my parents, they, they always taught us they were so intentional and still are, even as we're adults as kids. Uh, I'm the youngest of of four kids. So six of us growing up in a household and they were super intentional. They're pastors, preachers in a church. So they will always be preaching to us at home about something. You know what I mean? And they always put a can-do mentality inside, like literally planted that inside of us. They always let us know that we, we can do whatever we want in life. We can become whatever we want in life, that we can bounce back. You know, I had a cousin who was shot and killed when I was five years old. So I started seeing death early. You know, I was around violence when I was six. I was super this close to a shooting when I was six years old. And I was the only person there. So I saw a lot of, you know, negativity out in the environment at a very early age to where my parents had to comfort me on different things. Hey, it's okay. This is, these things happen because, right? So by the time I was 17 years old, I had a knife pulled out on me when I was nine years old and called the N-word because I was quote unquote in the wrong neighborhood. And, you know, I had an older white gentleman sick his two pit bulls on me and my brother because he didn't know who we were. And it's just, now I was seven when that happened. By, by 17, I feel like I had a, you know, I, I lived a life already. So I dare say by that time, already experiencing death of even a, a friend by that point too, you know, a uh, friend of me and my brother, like we, we've gone through things. So by that time, it was like, okay, I had comparable, had comparable thing, factors that I've already gone through and said, you know what? Okay, well, this is how I got over that. And again, it wasn't just me, but others reminding me saying, hey, look, remember, you got over that. You know, you can get over this too. Not so much even get over it, but you can get through it. You know what I mean? It's hard to get, I still haven't gotten over my brother passing. It's been about 20 years, it's been 2002, you know? So haven't gotten over it, but the fact of getting through it meant I can still go forward. I can still progress, progress no matter what. That was the mindset. You know, the fact that I had something to compare it to before, say, okay, yeah, I remember that happened. My uncle, one of my uncles, he passed away by that time. I've been through enough of death to where I had other comparable factors and just say, you know what? I'm just going to always view it as if my brother's always watching me and and just use that pressure um, to lead me to progress. Yeah, I have had one of those paths where I've made let things bother me and then made a ton of mistakes and did mm-hmm. some things that were nearly life-ruining. I ended up in a abusive relationship with someone who I went to jail for their crime and have a felony on my record to this day because of something somebody else did. And sure. So it was funny because I was driving through an area of town the other day with my husband and I drove by this casino and it just brings back these sordid memories from that horrible time in my life. And sure. and I like got emotional about it and I just sat with it and I kind of cried. And sure. there's this part of me that's like, it's it's hard to always be in the mindset of like, like 
just accepting everything. Like there's so many things that I'm like, you know, I I do sort of yeah. wish I did this differently, you know, or yeah, I did yeah. I did the wish yeah. wish this didn't happen. I wish my dad could meet my son, like things like that. And but if I really allow myself to go further than that, and it reminds me of how you talk about like going further than your feelings. It's like mm-hmm. I can stop at that feeling. And there's something about sadness that just makes you believe if you sit in it longer, you're gonna like this is the best. No, I want right. to feel sad longer. Let me play more <laughs> depressing music. Right, right. But if I'm really honest with the big picture, I wouldn't be here. Like I wouldn't be mind love Melissa if it wasn't for all those things, if I didn't need a way to survive, Mm -hmm. if I didn't need to find a way to change. And I can see it clearly even with my family, two sides. One of them has experienced a ton of tragedy. Mm -hmm. The other one, none really, none Uh at all. (laughs) And the one that has experienced a ton of tragedy just goes deeper into the depth of life. Like the conversations, the things that we focus on are just different versus the other one. It's like, Oh, the weather's bad. My day's ruined. Oh, this is, have you seen what this person's doing? Have you seen now this person's raising their kids? And there's just like, very surface. Yeah. And so it's like, you wish that these things don't happen, but like, who would you be without them? And to really ask yourself that, and I guess it's that's a hard thing to come around to if you're not currently proud of who you are. But I think that's where the work starts. Yeah, I mean, you, you called it. And, and you said just being honest with the bigger picture. Like, that's that's huge. That's, that's, that's major because if you're being honest with the, the overall situation, able to see yourself beyond that current moment, Right. And seeing yourself beyond that current moment, is that's one of the secret ingredients right there. You know, that's what gets you out of where you currently are, gets you beyond where you currently are, because you have a vision. You know, you see the bigger picture. It's like, okay, this is what's going on, but this is not all that's taking place. There's something beyond this very, very moment. And that vision is all a part of it. I'm trying to get somewhere. Let's figure out where, where that thing, where that place is. Yes, I would love to stay sad, right? I would love it. It's nothing like feeling the funk, you know what I mean? <laughs> like just, just being all into it, but it's not the healthiest place to stay. Like it's nothing wrong with venting. There's nothing wrong with crying. There's nothing wrong with those things. But if you in, continually initiate those things, if you intentionally bring those things about by continually continuing to listen to sad songs for weeks, as opposed to trying to find that happy song that can bring you out for a moment, then, you know, you're the primary catalyst for the distraught feelings that you feel, you know, and it's unfortunate because it makes sense, you know, to, to feel what you feel, but you don't want to stay in it too long. For perfect example, somebody asked me the other day, like, why I don't celebrate too much, you know, as far as my achievements. I said, I celebrate, just not that long. You know, I don't <laughs> want to become complacent, you know, so like I, I'll celebrate, but for this long, because it's always exactly, like you said, there's a, it's a bigger picture. They may see what I just achieved as a pinnacle for them. For me, that's only step two, maybe out of five. So there's more ahead, you know, for me. So I'm not going to stay in it too long because I see the bigger picture here. So that, that, it's a reminder that I even have to remind myself when things aren't as ideal as I would like for them to have. I don't have the perfect solutions, but I do know and I'm beginning to learn what works for me and what has worked for others that I've helped. And, you know, as far as the filtering process is really going in and leaning into the situations, it has helped so much because it doesn't keep me in a place where I am. And I get into a very creative brainstorming phase when I start filtering and questioning what's going on or 
okay, why did that person actually come? Why did this ailment happen? Oh, it's because maybe I wasn't doing X, Y, Z. And it makes me look in the mirror all of the time. And that's where I think we, we forget to do because we love blame shifting life and other people and all these circumstances as opposed to saying, you know what? I, I may have caused this. We don't have control over situations, but I think we have more influence than we give ourselves credit for. Yeah, and even if that influence is just seeing the exact same thing through a different lens so that you allow yourself more inspiration and ideas or or a different response. And one of the things that you talk about is training yourself to make adjustments instead of excuses, which is also hard because <laughs> like, I think like we've been talking about, there's something about that sadness or that one emotion that we just want to sit in, Absolutely. which is just an ego illusion. We think it feels good, <laughs> but does it actually feel good? You, like, you right. feel sad. Like right. It's not right. going to feel worse to be happy right now right. or whatever it is. Right. So what are the steps that you take to train yourself or to spot when you're making excuses so that you can learn to adjust instead? Well, when I'm not looking at myself. That's, that's the main indicator. When I don't include myself in my reasons for something not happening correctly, then that's the primary indicator that I'm likely going toward making an excuse. And if I'm not included in that conversation, that self-conversation, or even if I'm having a conversation about something with somebody else about something I'm involved in, if I haven't brought up myself once, but yet I'm included in the situation, that's a problem because I'm a part of it. I'm a part of the problem, whether I'm the problem or not. There's some type of control that I did have to where I could have tweaked or did something. Now, if it was totally out of my hands, okay, so be it. But I dare say the majority of situations I've been a part of, I've been a part of the problem. Not to say that I've, like you said, caused it, but I may have been a part of some factor of influence to where I could have tweaked it or changed it. And I just, I didn't for whatever reason. So that's what I, I love to do is say, okay, this is what happened this time. I'm going to learn from it so it doesn't happen next time. Again, so it just doesn't continually revolve, you know, as life so often does with the cyclic patterns that it, we continually see. Like, it's we see these things over and over and over until we finally learn from it. And then we learn that principle. Then it's something, a new lesson that pops, is, pops up and it's like, okay, let's learn from that one. But if I'm not including myself in my complaints, in my complaints or my venting, I'm likely blame blame shifting or making an excuse and not looking in the mirror. And I don't mind looking in the mirror now. That's just, that's, that wasn't always the case because it felt good to blame. It felt good to say, okay, uh, it's not my fault. And it may not be my fault, but what could I do to make sure it's better next time around? Or what could I have done to make sure it could have been better? I love learning. I'm very curious, you know, about self. I got excited earlier because my parents, they're cleaning out the garage in Philadelphia where I used to live. And they just cleaned it out. And I just saw some of the bags they bought up here. And it was my old social psychology book. I was so hyped. I was like, oh, man, he, he kept my book. I, that's me. I, I, I love us. You know, I, I love our minds. I love the way we operate and learning why we operate the way we do. And that's that curiosity has led me to just being able to overcome different things because I question it. I question it from a side of really trying to learn from what I'm going through. I think the most beautiful thing that comes out of that willingness to question everything and, and always be 
wanting to learn. Really, it's that curiosity with life. Mm. It makes it so much easier to see struggles as something with a lesson because you will always find some sort of meaning. And it doesn't need to be the universal meaning for everyone as to why this happened. Oh. Like, <laughs> like, there's a, a million things that came out of the pandemic. And, mm. and for some people, it, it spurred the greatest part of their lives. And for Absolutely. others, it spurred the worst part of their lives. And it's like, why is that? And it reminds me of Victor Frankl's book, one of my favorites, Man's Search for Meaning. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And his whole curiosity was like, why did some Holocaust survivors, why did it break them completely? And why did it make others? Why did it, why are they happy and others aren't basically? And, and it all came back to just the willingness to see that there might be meaning in something exactly. because just being open to the fact that it, that it could mm-hmm. will light some sort of inspiration for you. Will let you see yourself or the world or or your abilities or your strengths in in a slightly different way. Absolutely. So you definitely have to read the book. I bring up Frankel and I bring up you know Holocaust you no know, within the book, and I agree. I mean, just with those questions and the curiosity, it, just, it literally unlocks another perspective that you never knew you had until you questioned the circumstance. And it's that's the only way so many times to to gain empathy, even toward other races, other cultures, others that just aren't like you. You have to ask them questions the same way we have to ask life questions. You know, I, I may not understand, you know, someone from East Asia until I ask them questions so I can gain understanding. And then once I gain understanding, I feel closer to it. I, you know, I feel like I can handle being around them. It's the same when it comes to life. It's hard to feel like you can handle being around certain circumstances if you don't question that circumstance and try to gain insight and understanding about that circumstance. But once you do, you're like, man, okay, I can I can handle this. And that, that's what I love about it. It's just, I feel like the more curious we are, the more we constantly grow. Yeah, and curiosity without an agenda is what I'm always working on because it's so easy to be like, you're asking someone's questions and in your mind you're resisting or you're like, oh, this is the better way or this is the (laughs) whatever, especially now. There's just so much division now. Everyone's got so many opinions on things and the only ones that are right are mine. (laughs) But so it's just like to really just like ask the questions from a place of like, integrating a broader perspective into mm-hmm. your life and, and just accepting, even if that's what you're working on is acceptance or, right. or honoring or valuing or, or showing reverence to some situation right. that you don't really understand. I think it's really powerful. But the last question I want to ask you about, because I, I just love this concept. You talk about making your environment a product of you rather than being a product of your environment. What does that mean and how can we apply that? Well, I mean, I've literally been told by, you know, principals and speakers that may come into our school when I was in elementary and middle school that we're products of our environment and all this stuff. And you know, I believed it. I mean, I didn't know fully how to think for myself at a young age. Uh, you know, my parents did their best to, to teach it and they helped us to, de- to definitely, you know, use our own minds and to think for ourselves. But it wasn't until I began to be- become older and, and create for myself. And I realized, wait a second, like I have control over what I am living, what I live out. I have control over my future. Like my environment doesn't control where I'm going. You know, it may control where I'm, I currently am. It has no control. You know, it can't dictate where I desire to be. And as I began doing small things, incremental things, you know, something as simple as I mentioned earlier, as far as 
getting a scholarship to college, you know, along with the help of others, God's help, everybody, you know, I created that environment. Like we created that environment. That wasn't the environment that, that it didn't give it to me. So I, I began to realize that by way of the works of my hands, I can do some amazing things and, and have my environment to begin to literally conform to, to me and what I desire, as opposed to me just saying, oh, well, here's the way things are. Oh, I grew up in the hood. I guess I'm going to be in the hood my whole life. You know, I've been around this situation. I guess that's what I'm going to be around forever because I am a product of it. And, you know, it's, it's nothing I can do. I guess I'm going to go to jail, too. Maybe I'll die by 25, too, you know, just like everybody else. And it was, it was, it was a scary thing growing up with that mindset because I had the mindset, you know, seeing people literally not make it to 30 in, in, in my neighborhood so often. It's sad to think about. And it's just like, man, are we, I've had conversations with my friends say, yo, are we next? Literally, because you, you're stuck in that environment and you, you've never seen beyond that. And you've been told you're a product of your environment. You are going to be next in essence. And it wasn't until I, I had to break that mold for myself to where I said, no, no way. I, you know, my environment is a product of me and I'm going to create exactly what I want for myself and my, for my family. It's interesting because I can see how people think they might be, I don't know, just doing something good and realizing that a lot of people end up being a product of their environment. I've seen the arguments online of people being like, okay, well, yeah, we're helping minorities in this way. We need to understand how much harder it is for them, blah, blah, blah. And then the other side saying like, well, you're just telling them that it's harder for them every single day. Like, yeah. where where do you find that balances where people can be supportive without sending this message that ultimately isn't helpful? This is why I speak. One of my missions in life, I feel like this is becoming my purpose is because I know where I come from and we are literally told that we will not do certain things and we believe it. That's the unfortunate thing. You can go ahead and, and, and do a survey or poll with 10 you know, black boys, you know, in Philadelphia, where I grew up, or in New York City, or any inner city, Chicago, and just ask them about things about age 30. They may be 16 right now. It's hard for them to answer that. That's not in, in sight for them. That's, that's, they're hoping to make 21. It's not like college is on their mind. You know what I mean? Like, graduating from high school may not, may not be on their mind. You know what I mean? This is, and this is not the case for every single kid, but for so many, this is the case. And number one, we, we just need people to get in the way. I'm trying to get in the way of this, this negative, this evil information that's being fed to us saying that we cannot do certain things. Saying that, okay, you'll be working at McDonald's. That's it. That gas station up the street from you, that's your job. You know, because you won't be, you won't be educated enough to work beyond that point. Like literally, you won't be. Not that you aren't right now. You still have the opportunity to grow and you but you won't be because what we're giving you right now won't prepare you to be beyond that. And plus, the money that we're giving you won't allow you to be able to afford college. So you're not going to go to college, just so you know that. And that's those are the things to where we're trying to intercept, get in the way of those limiting belief systems and limiting factors. There's a lot of factors and systemic things to where it's like, nah, you can do X, Y, Z, but it's a mentality that has to be gained by the youth by the culture, by the adults that fortunately grew up in that, that are now 40, 50, 60, still thinking and believing that, 
but it's just not true. It's false information. And the best thing I can give them is a, is a mindset, is a perspective, is a mentality, you know, because once you have that, that's what will elicit the change that's needed to happen. And at the bare minimum, you will spread word. And that's what needs to happen. Like the mentality needs to be spread amongst the communities and, and kids need to see successful people that look like them. This is just me speaking bluntly and being transparent. So many kids don't think success at a certain level is attainable because they don't see it. You know, people may make it and not come back or make it and then talk down on those where they come from. It's a tough situation. I've seen it. I've literally seen it. And so there's a lot that has to be in place to help these kids out. Again, I'm an advocate in talking about the school system and honestly how it's not the best format in my opinion, um, especially in the inner city. It doesn't prepare the kids to individually be them best, their best selves. It prepares them to blend in, to fit in, to fall in line. It doesn't prepare them to lead. It doesn't prepare them to have their creativity unlocked. It doesn't prepare them to, to become CEOs themselves. It prepares them to work for CEOs. And I'm not always a fan of that when I know so many of them has the ability to be a CEO themselves, but they aren't given the opportunities to as you know, other school districts may other school districts. What I mean by that is the various electives that are offered, or it's small things like that that leads to a major way of life. There's so much that's packed into trying to change the mentality of the kids, but you know, the education system is a big part of it. Yeah, I I've gone down all the rabbit holes. We're homeschooling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> so, right, right, right. I mean. We, I, it's easy to say I'm homeschooling when he's only 17 months. So check back <laughs> with me in five years and see how it's right, going. Right. But <laughs> so I, I love leaving listeners with something specific to focus on, maybe a little action or a little disruption in their, in their typical patterns. If you were to have them do one thing that you feel like would make the biggest difference to focus on this week, what would that be? Selfishly love yourself, you know? Um, and when I say selfishly, that doesn't mean disregard those around you. But if you aren't giving yourself the amount of love that you deserve and that you need, even beyond deserving, the amount that you need, it's hard for you to operate at your, at your best. Yeah, yeah. And this is something I've told myself. I have to make sure I love myself. I have to make sure I can go to sleep at night like I'm a good person. You know what I mean? I, I enjoy who I am. Any areas where I know needs work, hey, I'm going to work on it. And just that, hey, I'm going to, I'm working on it. That adds peace of mind to me to where I don't have any anxiety, no regret toward that area that's imperfect. I know I'm working on it. So just to the best of your, your ability, guys, just, you know, love yourself, you know, spend time with yourself. Even if that's three minutes, just sitting still for a moment. If you have three minutes, even if that's while you're nodding off to go to sleep, just kind of think about yourself for a moment. You know, it, you know, it, it doesn't mean disregard your spouse. It doesn't mean disregard your kids. But if you can find those slivers of moments, Trust me, I get it. I have to find slivers of moments every day because my day is that busy. But when I find them, I, I just sit down like a minute and I just reflect on things that I enjoy doing, something that I want to do. That's a big thing. That gets me excited. You know, when I think on things that I want to do, this is all a part of self-love. You know, just getting yourself happy, excited, fulfilled by just a vision. So just love yourself more than anything else. And I dare say that so much that you may not feel is in place will begin to fall in place because you'll then have your eyes open and say, you'll see that's already actually in place. Well, for listeners who are inspired by you as much as I am, where's the best place for them to find your work and your book? Well, uh, right now it's available 
available for pre-order at joebgreen.com. And um, so what, I, what I've what i done was to have anyone that orders a pre-order uh, of the book, it's gonna you'll receive a personalized or aut- autographed copy. So you'll have the ability to even send a note to the website to say, you know, what you would like us to, or me, myself, to have it personalized. And I told myself, if I have to personalize 2,000 books, then so be it. That's what I'll be doing. I'm enjoying that side of the process already. And um, so you can find me at joelbgreen.com or I'm on Instagram quite a bit uh, at jgreenplt, which is uh, J-A-Y Green P-L-T. And I'm, I'm big on engagement. So if you DM me, I get right back to you. If there's anything I can help with, that's the thing. I'm in my DMs all the time, just really just throwing advice at people. You know, I, I love assisting. I love helping in any capacity where I can. If I fit to do it, then I do it. Um, so that's where you can find me and um, probably a few other platforms pretty soon. All the links for this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 245. Your challenge for this week is to focus on filtering it. When you find yourself in that state of mind where you know you're being driven by your emotions and likely not the ones you want to be driven by, stop, take a breath, and tell yourself to filter it. And what that looks like might be different depending on the situation. Really what it should be is just this moment of self-awareness to bring yourself back to your center, to be grounded, to let go of whatever train is pulling you and to make a choice from a more intentional place. Maybe start challenging those thoughts instead of just rolling with them. I really like Byron Katie's technique of asking, is this true? Is this absolutely without a shadow of a doubt true? And I know a whole part of you will be pulling towards the yes, it's true. Of course it's true. I believe it's true. It's gotta be true. But we really can't know that most things are true without a shadow of a doubt. And if we can't know that for sure, then why are we allowing this one thing to color our present moment? The two questions that help me most are the one I just told you is, is this absolutely true? And also, what meaning am I giving this? Because it's that meaning that tends to stick with us and become a belief. And so you can keep going deeper with those questions, asking yourself, what meaning am I giving this? Is this meaning serving me? Can I choose another meaning since I don't know that this one's true in the first place? Allow your intuition to guide you. You have all the answers inside of you. You just have to pull them out sometimes. So let me know how it goes. Reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa or leave a comment right here on the show notes page at mindlove.com slash 245. If you'd love to support MindLove, the best way to do that is by joining MindLove Premium at mindlove.com slash premium. Just so you know, a whole lot of these episodes are going to be going behind the premium wall. So if you want to get in all of those episodes before they are just for premium members, then start binge listening now. And for premium members, there are already 50 exclusive episodes that are only available for premium members. So sign up at mindlove.com slash premium. You can also support one of my amazing sponsors. You can find them all at mindlove.com slash sponsors. And finally, you can leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you do, you just might hear your review on the show. And that's all for today. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next time. 
Thanks for tuning in to Your Higher Frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week. <laughs>